on the recordings here, but I could surely get it from my sister uh, uh, Peggy Carr. And there was a second one that I accidentally erased trying to edit from uh, Tazewell uh, that I need to contact her and get copies of the uh, CDs. I was trying to erase it, and I or trying to edit it, and I erased it, which uh, first time I've done that, but. You know, that was my fault for not saving it before I tried to edit it. So I blame me, right? So as we get into this today, we're, we're going to get into uh, some scripture. It's going to take um, probably some time, uh, more than one lesson to, to, to say it all. Uh, we're going to look in specifically uh, at Behold, He Cometh with Clouds. And as we get ready to go there, just turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, Revelation 1, verse 1, and I will turn to the King James Version, which is common for most folks, so so that maybe I'm reading along the same lines as, as you are. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And I've ministered from right here these first uh, probably three, three verses for the last several weeks, who bear record of the Word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of the things that He saw. Blessed is he that readeth and that hear the words of this prophecy and that keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, I want to draw your mind before we get on down in here to this here, this, this little thing He said. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep the things written thereof for the time is at hand. I'm going to repeat it one more time. Blessed. Most people, when they start off reading the book of Revelation, they're not looking for a blessing, are they? No. But what Apostle John says is, Blessed is he that readeth, and heareth, and keepeth. So, so he, was, he was telling those that were living, in, and it was for us too, so don't get me wrong, but he was telling those in that day that he was living in that blessed are those that hear the words of the prophecy. Now it was a word, words of what? A prophecy. So that would make Brother John a prophet. You know, so, so Brother John has the words of a prophecy and he's declaring them to a people in that day and, he, and, and to us, to the church. And, and it says, John to the seven churches. So who's John writing to? To the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and is to come and from the seven spirits that are before His throne. And I won't stop everywhere. Maybe I will. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. 
but I'm going to, to make a couple comments here as we progress on down through here. He's writing to seven churches. Now, a lot of people have said this means seven church ages. That's how a lot of people teach this right here, that there are seven church ages and they use those seven churches to present an age of the church. I personally don't believe that because there was the age of the Law and Prophets. and In fact, John 1 says that, that the Law and Prophets came through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So, so And then it declares the church's body, the fullness of Him that filleth all and in all. So what, what is declared is seven church, in seven church ages is seven periods of time, and the last period of time is the Laodicean church. Now that's out there. You can go listen to it. You can make up your own mind. See, the thing, the thing you can do yourself is make up your own mind. You can believe what I say. You cannot believe what I say about this. That, that becomes your prerogative. And my goal is not necessarily to get you to believe what I say. My goal is to get you to the place where you hear what the Spirit saith to the church. Because if I don't hear what the Spirit says to the church, if I just take what Brother Wayne says and say, Brother Wayne teaches Revelation this way, and Brother whoever teaches Revelation that way, that, that doesn't necessarily help me at all. It's when I come to a place where I hear what the Spirit says. And when I hear what the Spirit says, the Spirit of God is always going to be right. Always. You know, I, I, I say this sometimes, you know, when I'm, when I'm teaching, I'll say, we, we say this, but Jesus said that, and Jesus is right. Right? I, I'll give you an example. We, we lay somebody up in a casket, and we say, now they went to be with the Lord. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus didn't say, when you lay them in a casket, they're coming to the Lord. He said that I am way, truth, and life. No man cometh but by me. But we say that. So I'm just using that for an example. That's the first example that kind of hopped in my mind, so I just used that example, right? So here we go. We say things now. Now I want to draw your mind from Him who is. So John declared He is. So, and, and John's getting ready to present him as is in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. That's how he's getting ready to present him as is. And he was. And he was, I, I could say he was the man of Galilee. I could say he was God Almighty. I could, I could go back to a lot of he was. And he is to come. And I could say this this way, he, he is the ever coming one. I could also say he was getting ready to come in John's day in judgment upon apostate uh, Israel. So, so there, there are ways to look at this Scripture, and, but, but again, the Spirit of the Lord has to quicken it and make it alive that I understand it by the Spirit of the Lord. And the seven spirits of God that are before His throne. Now, now if I read Apostle Paul's writings, are there seven spirits of God? Apostle Paul writes, there's but one Spirit of God. But here in the book of Revelation, you see a picture 
of seven spirits. Seven churches. So you'll see a tendency of four and seven in the book of Revelation. You will. You'll find a tendency if you read through this book. You're going to see a lot to do with seven. And seven is, is, is a number when you go back to creation that dealt with, with what? On the seventh day, God did rest. The completion, the finished. He created the world and, and on the seventh day was the Sabbath of the Lord, the rest of the Lord. So, so here, here we go and then verse five, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, unto him that loveth us, and loosed us from our sins by his blood, and he made us to be a kingdom. He made us to be a kingdom. This I, I changed translations. I'm in the American Standard. I told you I'd read in the King James, and lo and behold, I changed. He made us, the King James says, kings and priests. The American Standard says a kingdom of priests. If I look the word up, and I go into the Strong's, it actually means sovereignty, king, kingdom. So it's dealing with sovereignty, a king, and a king is dealing with a kingdom. And so, so I could probably translate it either way. So he's made us kings and priests under God. So either way, if I'm a king or a kingdom, then a kingdom is here, right? Because you, if you're a king and the, and the kingdom's not here, because again, I'll go back to the seven church ages, people are saying that, that they move from the seven church ages to the age of the kingdom. Well, this would have a challenge, because if, if John's saying you are kings and priests, Unto the Lord, how would you be a king unto the Lord if there was not a kingdom? Because a king denotes a kingdom, a rulership, sovereignty of the Lord. So, so as I look into this, he says, you know, he's made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I, I personally kind of like a kingdom of priests unto God and His Father. But, but I'm okay with either one because we are to rule and reign with Him. That's what the Bible says. And He rules and reigns over sin, over the Adamic man. That's what He rules and reigns. So as His nature is formed in me, He brings us to a place to where we rule and reign over the carnal man. Amen. Glory to God. So, so he says, I, he says, behold, John writes, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him, even so, amen. So, so I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and was and which is to come, the Almighty. I'm going to read on down here and we're going to come back to verse 7. I, John, who am your, also your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience. See here again, John declares he's in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. 
was in the Isle called Patmos for the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a voice as of a trumpet. There's a spider up here. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega. Get our minds off the spider. I'm Alpha and Omega. The, the first and the last, what thou seest, write in the book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, Merida, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I probably butchered some of those names, but that's all right. Now turn, he turned to see the voice that spake with him, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, like, like I said, He is. Remember John said He is. And John sees Him it, as is in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now how did He see Him? Clothed with a garment, in the midst of seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paths with the golden girdle. His head and His hair... It's white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes as a flame of fire, and his feet like a defined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things that shall be hereafter the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels or messengers of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are seven churches. They have seven angels, seven churches, seven spirits, the John's on in the day of the Lord. What, what day is the day of the Lord? The seventh day. So you have this whole thing of seven. Right, right here in the get-go. Now how do I figure all this out? By the Spirit of the Lord. That's the answer. <laughs> and by the Word of God. So behold, He come up with clouds. I said we're going to get into this. All right. When, you, when I say, when I was a young man and I looked at the Lord coming in clouds, and there's a lot of scriptures in the Gospels that deals with Jesus coming in clouds. A lot of scriptures, and, and we'll see how many of those we get into today. I'm not sure, but Lord willing, we're going to cover, cover them, many of them, maybe all of them, but many of them. And in my mind as a kid, as a young man growing up in church, when I thought of God coming in clouds, I, or Jesus coming in clouds, I thought of these clouds out here that we see in the sky. That's how I thought. Okay. 
I, what I'm going to ask you to think, I'm going to ask you to think, I'm going to challenge you. Do you believe these Jewish people of that day thought that? And I'm going to share with you why here in a moment. Okay? Their idea of cloud coming may have been a totally different idea than my idea of cloud coming. Because of the cloud comings in the Scripture. Notice what I said. The cloud comings were at in the Scripture. The Lord said something in my heart profound, and I've shared it with you many times, and it was profound in my walk with the Lord. And, And I'll never forget it. He spoke in me, and I heard Him say, It's all in my Word. And when He said that, my belief system came before me. It really did. It, come, it, it was like right before my face. Like people say they see their life come before their face. When, when this was, came up in my heart, it's all in my Word, things I had believed came before me and I began to question, are they in your Word? It's what happened. Now, it's what happened to me. I'm not saying it will happen to you, but it happened to me. And I began to have a lot of questions because uh, I had a lot of beliefs, you know, that, that I had good beliefs. I had some beliefs that may have not been so good because I, I was founded in a certain ideology. And most of us are. Most people are founded in a certain ideology. And, and, and I don't want to beat up the ideology because many of the Christian ideologies are... are are very sound in teaching you must be born again. They're teaching, they're teaching people to, to conduct their lives in a manner as a Christian. You know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of sound teaching there. So I do not want to just tell you everything's wrong because everything's not wrong. Okay? So, so I want to be careful how I say this because sometimes I may come across that way. And I don't mean that. I, 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 know, I know very, very sincere Christians, very, very sincere believers. I actually said this in, in Tazewell, and I was one of them. I used to, like I am today, I used to always wear long sleeve clothes, no matter how hot outside it was. Because I thought I should. I would never be seen in a pair of shorts. In fact, you, you, you know, unless you come in my house, and I probably will in the house, or, 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 but, but if I went out in public, I was going to be dressed in a long garment because I, I believed that. Now, I was doing that because I thought that's what I should do. So I, I was wanting to know God better. So, 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 so you know, the, the, Sometimes we look at people today and we, and we kind of uh, scrutinize them, and sometimes they really may have a heart toward the Lord. You know, they're doing what they believe they should do toward the Lord. And, and instead of looking at them that, hey, hey you, you don't have to do that, maybe understand that, 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 hey, this is what they believe they need to do. And, and if they believe they need to do that, unless the Lord deals in their heart, frees their heart from that, or, or however we may say it, 
than, than leave it alone. In fact, I, I told somebody that one time that was talking to me about some, some folks. And I, and I kind of said, I said, to me it's neither putting on a garment or taking off a garment. So and what I was saying, if someone wants to dress with long sleeves and so forth, let them dress with long sleeves. If they don't want to dress with long sleeves and so forth, I'm fine with that too. I'm fine with it either way. I don't have an issue one way or the other when it comes to this because the clothing is Christ. So putting on a long sleeve garment or putting on a short sleeve garment doesn't make you holy, either one of them. It's to be clothed upon with Him. That, that makes you holy. So I can get lost on either side of it. I can get lost on the garment or I can get lost on not wearing the garment. I can get lost on either side of that issue. And, neither, and, and so, so you've got to be careful there. Because, because there's a lot of sincere people of God. And sometimes we have, to, we have to approach them as sincere people of God that love the Lord where they are, where they're walking. And God, God of course, wants to bring us in a deeper walk and a deeper relationship. And, and as vessels of, of, of the Holy Ghost, what we are, vessels of the Holy Ghost, we're carrying around the presence of God, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that maybe not today, but I'm going to point this out. We're going to talk about that in cloud comings, being vessels of the Holy Ghost. Okay? See, I'm wanting to jump, Bob. And I'm having to hold myself. Now, what do I mean in cloud comings? When I go into my Bible... And I'm going to jump into some notes here for a moment. Because I wrote some notes down. I, I said, God's cloud comings, this is, this is Brother Wayne's notes, primarily serve two purposes in your Old Testament. Not saying that's all they serve. I'm saying that's what I see. Okay? So I want to be careful how I say this because we get in this, I may say they serve 20 purposes, Right? So it may expand. So I want to be careful how I position things. One purpose in God's cloud comings in the Old Testament was glory and infilling. Okay? Glory and infilling. Another purpose in cloud comings was to exact vengeance or judgment. Both of those are in your Old Testament. Both of them. Okay. So I, w- I want you to keep that in mind. Also in your Old Testament, before uh, you can turn to Exodus 16, but I'm going to read you out of Zechariah 12. If you, you can turn with me to Zechariah 12, then back to Exodus 16. But I want to share with you something out of Zechariah 12. You know, you know there it says, Every eye shall see him, even those that pierced him, uh, and all the tribes of the earth shall mourn, so on and so forth. Well, if I go back to Zechariah 12, and, and, and when, I, when I talk about every eye seeing Jesus or the, or the Lord, the first eyes I usually think about are which eyes? Right here, right? Because I have two eyes. That I see by in the physical earth. But Zechariah 12, verse 8 says, In that day 
Shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against his, uh, Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Notice what he says he's going to do. He's going to pour upon the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him. Zechariah 12. Now, now this, this, this if, you, if, you, if you deal with this logically, this can blow a lot of your, a lot of your mind, so to speak. Because one, one, God is saying, Jehovah is saying, that, he, that He's going to pour out upon the house of David and upon Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. That already happened on the day of Pentecost. He poured it up out upon the house of Jacob, upon Jerusalem. That's where, go read your Bible. I believe they were in Jerusalem, weren't, weren't they? And on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came. And He poured it out and He said, And they shall look upon Me, whom they pierced. Notice this word, He says, Me. Then He says, And they shall mourn for Him. Now how does that make sense? Because He's speaking... In first person, right? And then he turns around and what speaks in, I believe, uh, second or third, per- third person. But he goes on and says that they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadarim in the valley of Megiddo. And I'm not going to go back through that. I dealt with that some time ago. I, I went through this to a degree. So to move on this morning, I'm just going to miss it because then we're going to move on down the road. When the Holy Ghost convicts you of sin, you mourn for Him. I've been there myself. I've been convicted by the Spirit of God. And I mourned for Him that was pierced. The Apostle Paul prayed that the eyes of your heart, your understanding, and Nita was singing that song this morning, the eyes of your heart be enlightened, see, know Him. So, so here, if I, if I understand what Zachariah is saying, when the Spirit comes, they're going to look upon Him that is pierced. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to look upon Him with natural eyes. Because the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, and he spoke to the Galatians in, in one place in Galatia, he said, to them whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth, crucified among you. And i got news for you. Now, I'm not telling you some people in Galatia wasn't there at His crucifixion, but Jesus wasn't crucified among the Galatians literally. He was crucified in Jerusalem. So, so how He was set forth among them as crucified was by the Spirit of the Lord. And that's how we see how His crucifixion applies to us. 
Because if we don't see that, you, you know, we, then, then it doesn't have much application to us except He forgave me of my sins. But now flip back to Exodus. Uh, and, and behold, I, and get back in your mind, behold, I come up with clouds, every eye shall see me. Exodus 16. Exodus 16, 1. Or actually, let's, let's skip on down to about verse 10. Exodus 16. Is everybody in Exodus 16? It says here, And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of Jehovah appeared in a cloud. Where did the glory of Jehovah appear at? In a cloud. And Jehovah spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmuring of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am Jehovah your God, or the Lord your God. Alright. Now, flip with me. Exodus 24. Verse 16. Exodus 24, verse 16. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, or the glory of Jehovah, according to the translation. The glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called the Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud, and he got him up into the mount, and Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. So here again, there's a cloud covering, and the cloud covering is, is what the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. Alright? So the glory so the cloud was dealing with the glory of who? The Lord. Ezekiel one. Ezekiel one, you get into the book of Ezekiel and, and that's quite the book to read because it's uh, hard to understand. Ezekiel one verse one says, Now it came to pass I'll let you get there. Brother Mark and I both cheat. We both have electronic devices and so forth and can get there quickly. Now, it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Kabar, that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of Jehovah came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi. And the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kabar, and the hand of Jehovah was there upon him. Now, now if I stop here in these before I go any further, if I read these first few verses, this will sound a whole lot like Revelation chapter 1 if you think about it. First off, John declared we're kings and priests or a kingdom of priests. What was Ezekiel? 
a priest. John declared that the hand of the Lord came upon him. What came upon Ezekiel to see the visions of God? The hand of the Lord was upon him. So so there's a real parallel. John was in captivity of Patmos. Ezekiel was exiled and in captivity of the Babylonians at the river uh, Kabar, right? So, so you have a picture here, and, and Ezekiel saw visions of God. Now, now and, and when he begins to see, and says, The hand of Jehovah was there upon him, and, and, look, and I looked, and behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, a great cloud. What? A great cloud with a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness round about it, and out of the midst thereof, as it was glowing metal, out of the midst of the, of, of the fire. Now, flip on down in the same chapter, verse 24. And when they went, he's speaking of the four living creatures, he said, And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of great waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a noise of, of tumult, like the noise of a host, which when they stood, they let down their wings. And there was a voice above the firmament that was over their head. When they stood, they let down their wings. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne, as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was a likeness of the appearance of a man upon it above. And I saw it as it were glowing metal. Now what did John see in the book of Revelation? His feet were as burning brass. Could you not believe this vision that Ezekiel is seeing is the vision John is seeing in the book of Revelation. His feet are as burning brass. Here Ezekiel describes it as glowing metal, as the appearance of fire within it round about now, 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 when John described the appearance of the Son of Man, it was as his feet were burning in what? Fire. Glowing in fire. So, so here, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. So here Ezekiel is seeing visions of God, and he says, from the appearance of his loins and upwards, and from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And there was brightness round about him as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of Jehovah, or of the Lord. So, fast forward to John or Matthew 16 for a moment. Flip over to Matthew 16. In particular, 27, then Matthew 26. Matthew 16. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels. 
And then he shall render it to every man according to his deeds. Verily I say to you, there are some of them that stand here who shall in no wise taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Alright. I just read to you, Ezekiel said he saw visions of who? God. And he said that vision was like the glory of the Lord. So here's Jesus saying, The Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father. So if I can understand this, is it possible that Jesus was saying, I'm going to come as Ezekiel saw the glory of God in the cloud of glory. And it, furthermore, is it possible that John was in that cloud of glory as he was writing the revelation of Jesus Christ? Is that possible? I'm just going to lay that out there. I believe it's more than possible if you ask me. I believe that's more than possible that, that John was caught up and he was seeing by the Spirit of God visions of God just like Ezekiel was and he sees one in the midst of the seven gold candlesticks. And his angels are with him. What does he call the messengers there? See, see here in John sixteen twenty seven says that he shall that he should come in the glory of his father with his angels. What does John declare in the book of Revelation? He sees the Son of Man, and he sees him in a picture of the same way that Ezekiel does, and also the same way Daniel does. Daniel sees the same vision. In the book of Daniel, the same vision is seen again. That's not coincidental that it's in multiple places. I'll tell you that. When it's in multiple places in your Bible, then there's something there that you and I should understand. So, so John sees him similar or the same way Ezekiel sees him and the same way Daniel sees him. Okay? And John sees him with seven angels. Jesus said he's coming with his angels, and, and Jesus, you know, in John John sixteen, does he not say that? And John says the seven that, that the stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. If they're with Jesus and they're in his hand, would that not make them his angels? Just asking. It would have to. So in the book of Revelation, John is seeing this, the Son of Man coming in the glory of His Father, in and where John's seeing Him at the glory of the Father is in the midst of the church. Because where the glory of God went in the Old Testament was in the temple. And say, I want to jump up and down and preach. Well, I've I, I got to slow down. I've only got a certain amount of time. Go back to, I believe, Numbers, or maybe Leviticus first. Let me see here. Because I'm trying to walk you through some Scripture. I, I'm going to read you Exodus 40, at the end of Exodus 40, but you can turn to Leviticus uh, 16.2. But just as you're turning there, I'm going to read you out of Exodus 40. And it says that he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting 
and the glory of Jehovah filled the tabernacle. So the glory of Jehovah filled the tabernacle. You shall be filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. All right. Now, Leviticus 16, 2. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron not to enter freely into the most holy place behind the veil in front of the mercy seat of the ark, or else he will die. Because I appear. Who appears in a cloud? I appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Now, now do you think maybe the way he was appearing in that cloud above the mercy seat is the same way Ezekiel sees, and the same way Daniel sees, maybe it's the same way John sees. Amen. Numbers 9. Flip to Numbers 9. 15. On the day, number 915, on the day that the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony was set up, the cloud covered it. What covered it? The cloud. And it appeared like fire above the tabernacle from evening until morning. It remained that way continually. The cloud would cover the tabernacle by day, and at night it would appear like fire. And that had to be some cloud. I, it was pure as a cloud, and at night it was like fire. His body, Ezekiel said, from his loins upward and his loins downward, was as flaming fire. Glory to the Lamb of God. So, so now we come to, to Jesus. I believe I want Matthew 26 is what I believe I want. Or, or back to, we'll turn Matthew 26 in a moment, but back to what we read earlier in Matthew 16. When Jesus said He's coming in the glory of His Father, in Matthew 16. Alright? If I read all of these scriptures about the glory of God in the Old Testament, and I'm a Jewish man, and I've grown up under Judaism, and somebody starts talking about Him coming with clouds, there's a really good possibility I'm not thinking about rain clouds. A really, really good possibility of that. Because, because the cloud comings that the Jewish people were accustomed to was, was, was the one I'm talking about today, was the glory cloud of God filling the temple. And when Jesus told them, Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man coming in the glory of His Father, He says that in Matthew uh, 26, seeing at right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven, 
He's speaking to the high priest Ananias in Matthew 26. It's in verse 64 that I'm quoting. And you can turn there and read or write it down. He's speaking to the high priest. To the high priest of Israel, the the clouds of glory were not rain clouds. The clouds of glory were these clouds that I'm talking about. These clouds that had filled the tabernacle and later the temple of Solomon. The same thing happened when Solomon finished building the temple and recorded in the book of Chronicles, and I believe the book of Kings, you will find a cloud filling the temple. And so here's Jesus declaring to that high priest, hereafter you're going to see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory. Now do you believe that high priest thought he was talking about rain clouds? He had been the high priest of, of, you know, of the house of God in his mind anyway. Ananias. Now, Ananias and Caphias. I said Ananias and Caphias. When you go read that history, that, that high priest would enter in once into the Holy of Holies. Now, the catch is when the second temple, temple was built, I find no reference to the cloud coming into that second temple. You know that. This is where history becomes important. We kind of say, well, it may not be that important. It's very important to understand what's going on in this day because because Israel had built the temple according as Moses had showed them, had reared, or the tabernacle according as Moses showed them, had reared it up, and God's presence had presence had dwelt in that tabernacle. And then when they moved into the land of promise and they made Jerusalem the capital or the heart of the land, they reared up a temple and God's presence dwelt in that temple. Right? It was a place of His presence. So when Jesus said the Son of Man is going to come and in the glory of His Father, to me He's referencing back to this very same glory but he's saying, I'm going to come fill my house. And Paul understands that and says, You are the house of God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Glory to God. And John gives a, an account of how He's dwelling in the church as, as hair white as wool, as eyes as a flame of fire. Out of His mouth is going a two-edged sword. His feet are as burning breath. And every one of those has significance to you and me who are believers because God came to dwell you. See, He wasn't coming back to indwell a building made with hands. That's why that building was wiped off the earth. Because God was, was done with that covenant. He was done with that order. And that's why Jesus said, not one stone is going to be left upon another. But Christ, and He told us that now the time is at hand. We talked about it last week. When the true worshippers shall worship... Not in Jerusalem, but in spirit and truth. So, so now, now there's a cloud coming 
that, that He indwells you. And he, and he prophesied this by Isaiah. He said, Up on their dwellings shall be a cloud and a fire. He actually prophesied it. And, and that cloud and fire, you know, in my heart and mind, I honestly believe He's speaking the same thing John says, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Because now He's dwelling upon you. He's not dwelling in this building in Culpeper. He never made these buildings His home. He never possessed buildings. He possessed you. Glory to God. And that was what He was after from the beginning. That we would be, be His people. He would be our God. And we would be His people. And we would understand that. See, 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 if I don't understand that, I can't communicate it. Can I? I can't communicate that if I don't understand it. If, if I don't come to an understanding by the Spirit of God, I can't communicate that at all. I read these Scriptures and I look at them and like, like I said, like a lot of times as a, as a kid, I looked at these Scriptures and I could only understand by what I, by what I knew. And I had read as a kid, I had read very little of the Old Testament as a kid. Now later in life, I've shared this with you, I read the Old Testament through over and over and over again. And when the Lord began to deal with me with the revelation of Jesus Christ and revealed Christ in me, that the, the ground of the Old Testament became valuable because the Old Testament was the ground that God had laid the groundwork for what He was completing in Christ. So I begin to see the groundwork as I, as I look back at the tabernacle of Moses, I begin to see the picture of Jesus Christ. I just didn't see a tabernacle moving through a, a wilderness. I saw the glory of God moving in the midst of a people through a wilderness, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same thing when I saw the temple in Jerusalem. I no longer just saw a building that they went and worshipped God in, which was true, but I saw the picture of Jesus Christ. And I began to see all of this furniture, you know, feet like brass. And I shared this with you before. Where do you find brass at in the Old Testament? The brazen altar. What happened at the brazen altar? The animal was offered, right? So the sacrifice was offered upon the brass. The judgment was put upon the sacrifice. His feet were as brass. The judgment. And, and it's, no, it's no coincidence that the that is written, John fell at his feet. That's dead. Because when you come into seeing of him, you fall as a dead man. And you understand that when he died, just like Paul wrote, when he died, all were made to be dead. Glory to God. That's what you absolutely come to understand. That he died and we died with him. We are joined together with him on the cross. And he crucified the old man. 
Like Paul, Paul says, and this has been my spirit this morning, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Right? Paul was speaking of himself. He was calling himself a body of death. And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, He's been delivered. Because He sees the cross. He sees the deliverance out of the body of death at the cross. That's, what, that's what's in this type, typology that's out here. Is when, when Christ begins to be revealed in the church, He's revealed in flaming fire. What does Malachi say? Is it Malachi that says the Lord Himself shall come to His house and as a refiner's what? Fire. And He shall cleanse His temple. Why? Because He's cleansing our minds from the old mind, the old nature, the old man. And He's bringing forth as silver tried in the fire. Glory to God. That's going on in your mind. It's changing your being into the same image of the Lord. That's the mind of God that we would be His express image in the earth. We would have his mind. We would have His understanding. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And, and therefore, John doesn't just say He sees the Son of Man like this. He sees the Son of Man in the seven golden candlesticks. And the seven golden candlesticks are the churches of Asia. So He sees Him in this picture in the church because He was coming to indwell the believer. And He indwells the believer in, in, in His death. In His burial. And you get into hair, what is wool? His resurrection. The full deity of God. And all of this is seen right there in, in, in the Son of Man. All of this is seen in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's, to me, one of the cloud comings of the, of, of the Lord is, is a dealing with God dwelling in a people. Because in the Old Testament it was God dwelling in tents, God dwelling in temples. Now it's God dwelling in a people. Jesus, again, a couple more references. Jesus said, destroy this temple. John 2. In three days I will raise it again. And he was speaking not of a physical, that physical Jewish temple. He was speaking of his body. And he raised his body out from the dead. And then the Apostle Paul writes and says, Now you are the body of Christ. You have been raised with him out from the dead that He can indwell you with His glorious power. Amen. 
Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says that, that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, the stone of the building. Upon this rock I'll build my church, the stone has been laid. Isaiah prophesied and said God was going to lay a stone in Zion. Jesus is the stone that's laid in Zion and you are built together, fitly framed together in Him for a habitation of God by the Spirit. So that one with the eyes is a flame of fire is in you. Hair white as wool is in you. So all of those descriptions carry meaning. And we need to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, give us understanding. Break down these descriptions that I that I know you this way. Not just that I understand what it says, but that I know you this way. See, see, it's great to understand what it says, and you should want to understand what it says. But but the greater, and, I, and I'm I'm stopping here. The greater is not just to understand what it means. It's to know God in that way. Remember, when I started here, I, I said, Behold, He said, Behold, I sat at the door and knocked, and any man opened the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. So in all the pictures, in all the imagery, in all the brilliance and radiances of the Lord, the Lord is after a relationship in which you are in Him and He is in you. And that relationship just bringing you into, into His glory, into His nature. That's what He's after. Is, is this divine relationship. I am the vine. You are the branches. And, 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 and again, and we'll talk about this in more detail, I'm sure, because the candlestick hat was, was a picture of that very thing, the, the vine, the tree, and it had the branches branch out of it. And he said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Unless you abide in the vine. You can't bring forth fruit. So, so when I look at the pictures of the candlestick, I can't help it. I see Jesus. I look at the at the at the brazen altar. I see Jesus. I look at the uh, brazen labor, and I look at look at the priest going there to wash, and they're washing through that water. And I look and I hear the washing of the water of the word. I see Jesus. I, I hear out of that water baptism that as many of us been planted into His death or were baptized with Him in death were raised in, in life. I hear that, folks, when I look at these things. And then you go and you look at the, at the Holy of Holies and I, and I hear this, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ his eyes is a flame of fire. The brightness of his face, you, you know, when, they, when he was transfigured before him on the mount, his face did shine out as the sun in its brightness. Because it just lit it up. It lit up their, their under, you know, in type of shadow, it lit up their understanding. It lit up their mind. It lit up their heart to this new day. Anyway. I'll stop 